Many of us are believing God and standing in God for miracles and for change in our world, change in our family, believing for revival, believing for circumstances to change. And the authority that we stand in and stand on must be the authority of God. We have our own authority in our natural life, our natural ability, our natural bank account, the nation we're in. We have certain authorities. But when it comes to believing God for the impossible, the only place we'll find the authority to stand on that'll bring the answer, the impossible to come to pass, is the authority of God. And I want to share just some heart issues about authority today to help us to understand maybe why it takes so long or why some things don't work. I know in my own past, I have run ahead of God, believe in God for things, and thinking I already had it and failed and fumbled and stumbled and learned a lesson. And that lesson is called presumption. That I had presumed that it was mine before God had told me it was mine. And I see that much in many Christian circles today. Uh, the presumption of a victory before the victories purchased or earned or walked in. Now we know all victories are purchased by the blood of Jesus. But there is an element of faith and obedience that's required for you to walk into it to walk into the fullness of the victory. Maybe you're believing for a financial miracle. And I've seen many people step out ahead of God, saying and quoting the Word of God that God says, I'm blessed, I'm above and not beneath. He took poverty that I might be rich. Uh, I'm a child of God. My father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Therefore, I'm going to step out in faith and believe God for this answer. One lady I know, very well-meaning, desired more than anything to support the gospel and had an opportunity to buy some land at an auction. She didn't have enough money to buy the land. She didn't have any money. But she presumed that God would let her win and then give her the money to buy it because her heart was to sell it, turn it around, sell it, and make a bunch of money to give to the gospel. So in her presumption, she she won the auction. She held up her her number and won and beat everyone else. And when they asked her for payment, they said you had 30 days to pay it. Well, she believed God would give her the money in 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, the money didn't come in. And she was left getting in trouble because she had to give the land back and pay a penalty and was embarrassed. And I don't judge her because I've done the same type of thing over and over in my youth, trying to see God come to pass. I've done it praying for people. Out on the street, someone comes along and you can tell they need prayer for a sickness, something wrong with their body, presumed that God was going to heal them. I knew that God had healed them through Jesus. I presumed because God wanted it, I wanted it, they wanted it, then your miracle is coming right now. Receive it. And then I've been embarrassed many, many times when nothing happened. And we know it's not God so presumption is when you step ahead of your place in God. One service, they had a man, he had one leg, he lost a leg somewhere. And he was on crutches with one leg. And he went to this church, and I preached there. I invited him to come up to be prayed for. And I said, you know, God, in the Bible, says the maimed were made whole. The only thing we're lacking is boldness. And so I had that poor fellow jumping. I took away his crutches and had him jumping, balancing on one leg, for maybe 20 minutes while we prayed 
and were, was expecting a leg just to pop out because we did everything right. But see, I wasn't listening to the voice of God. I was listening to the voice of presumption. And I see much in the church world today living a presumptuous life where you can do it in your own natural ability and give God the glory for it, but it doesn't mean God gave it to you or God made it come to pass. There are some countries that you live in that you can preach a, a message of prosperity, that God wants you blessed and abundant in a, in a new car, in a new house. But there's some countries where they live in so much poverty, they earn $3 a month for their work. And that message of uh, superabundance may not work in their country. It's not because they lack in faith, but it's because in certain other countries like America, we have an extra ability in the natural to gain money and have have funds without God. And so it's very important as Christians that we learn to hear God's voice and then obey what he says and be patient in the meantime and not presumptuous where we step out ahead of God. And there is something to be said about obeying God. And so the message today is have an authority, walking in authority by obeying God's voice. And the danger of it is that we don't become presumptuous and step ahead of God, even though we see His promises. See, I see the promises of God for healing. I see the promises of God for finances, uh, for revival, for my family being saved. But just because the promises of God are there, and just because Jesus has already paid the price, the missing element is God needs authority on this earth. My faith, my position of love in Him is the authority that he uses to answer those prayers in my life, in my family's life. And so I can't presume that I'm ready until God tells me I'm ready. And I'm confessing today. I've made many mistakes in my past, believing God for the Word, standing on the Word, and stepping out in boldness and in courage, trying to make things come to pass. And I can spend hours and hours telling you embarrassing stories of things that I did in the name of God, out of presumption, decisions I've made, steps I've made, promises I've made, both in services and in person, in my own personal life, presuming that God would answer the prayer. A lot of people believe in praying in tongues, and you know if you listen to me, uh, you'll find that we preach that often, praying in tongues, because that's God building your life ahead of you, your future. I've seen many people think, well, I'm praying in tongues, Hour after hour, God's going to pay my bills. And they quit their job in faith so they have more time to pray. And then they, they go broke. <laughs> they presumed that God would pay their bills. But God's not moved by presumption. He's moved by faith. But more than that, He's moved by your obedience. Your obedience moves you to follow God. Because God never makes mistakes. He'll never tell you to do something if you're not ready. That's the key to obedience. That if God tells you, then you're ready. So the goal is not to run ahead and try to force God's hand. Say, God, you have to move. You have to move. You're not a liar. Your word is true. You have to move. I see many faith people stumble and, and struggle saying those very things. What we want to say is, God, I'm preparing myself and building myself up in preparation for you to speak to me. So the key word today is preparation to be obedient when God speaks to you, not presumption. So preparation means that you're preparing your heart, 
you're preparing your faith, you're preparing your love walk, you're growing in God, you're praying in tongues, you're standing in the Word, waiting for God to say, now, step out now. So when He tells you to step out, you've got the boldness to step out because you've been waiting for it, preparing for it. Many Christians, they're not preparing, they're waiting. They're just, God's Word is true, I'm just going to wait until it happens. If he can't do it for you today, then it's not going to be able to do it for you tomorrow. What needs to change is us. He's not the one stuck. We're the ones stuck somewhere in our faith walk, in our believing, in our unbelief, however you want to call it. So we want to prepare and wait for God to tell us when the time is for victory. And the moment he speaks to us, we want to be ready to step out in faith, whatever he tells us to do. I'm going to show you some scripture today about how some people stepped out and some people didn't. And some people made mistakes and some people were ready when God called them to. The core verse I want to use today is out of James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And we'll read verse 6, start in verse 6. But he gives grace, therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. The key to walking in obedience and finding authority in obedience is that humility that says my life is not my own. I don't have the right to move forward or move back. I give that right to God to instruct me when to move forward or when to move back or not to move back. That God is in full control of your life. I find that many Christians find a, a mixture of doing good works for God but yet not willingly, totally sold out to obeying Him. I had a number of young men in, in my past when I was running the Bible college in Tennessee. And after a few weeks or so, they'd come and say, you know, I'm just having a hard time being here. I want to go. And over and over, they would come with great ideas. You know, Pastor Allen, I've just been having a hard time. Uh, I'm behind on my bills. I don't have enough money. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go get a full-time job. I'm going to leave Bible college, go get a full-time job, working like a good job, and then I'll focus on paying off my debts. And then once my debts are paid off, then I'll be able to come back and fully give my heart to going to Bible college and be trained. And at first, the first one who told me that, I thought, eh, it's not a bad idea, but I learned from him that they never come back. None of them who ever gave me that opinion, that idea, ever came back. They all ended up, I'm sure, doing good in life and being good Christians. But none of them ever came back to their focus, what God told them. One man I know was the most incredible children leader, children's pastor you've ever met. Now, he worked a career job, and he told me, he said, I feel God's telling me to really... Go leave my job and focus on doing kids' work and focus on helping kids. And I said, well, praise God. He said, but I'm only a few years away from my retirement. 
I put in 30 some years and I'm almost ready for retirement. I want to wait until after I retire and then I'll be able to focus with my retirement, focus all my energy on, on the children. And again, he never ended up really fulfilling his potential because he decided to interject his plan into God's plan. When God told him it was time, it wasn't comfortable. It didn't make total sense. There seemed to be a better way, which is how many Christians end up missing and presuming their life away from the will of God. I had one young man, he, he came to me and said, um, I'm getting married in about six months. And he's had a beautiful fiance, and he's very excited. Young man of God who was focused on praying and seeking God was working, working full time and then praying and really invested into seeking God. I was really proud of him. And he said, you know, in six months I get married and what I want to do is I'm going to pull back from my spiritual time, my extra prayer time. And because he was devoting, you know, four to five hours a day of praying and worshiping God and in the word with me. And, and he said, I think I'm going to just pull back until after the wedding. Because in the next six months, if I take those four hours of invest them into working extra time at my job, then I can have my wedding paid for in full and my honeymoon paid in for full. And then after I get back from the honeymoon, I'll get right back to prayer and back into this. And, and I know that from example, from the past, if you got yourself that disciplined to seek God that way, that if you leave it, it's hard to get it back. And I told him the story. I said, listen, let me tell you what happens. And I gave him the example of the young man over the years who left to go work to come back and they never came back to that place of seeking God that intensely. I said, what happens is you'll leave this intense seeking time for six months and you're single right now. So it's easy to, to give extra time. But six months from now, after the honeymoon and, and after the wedding, uh, you'll come back and you'll say, okay, I'm ready. Uh, I've got my wedding paid for, the honeymoon is paid for. I'm ready to come back into prayer. And then what's going to happen is your wife's going to want a, maybe because you're married, a bigger apartment. So you'll say, Pastor Allen, I just need another couple months of working overtime to pay off the difference in the apartments, and then I'll be back. And then after a couple months, your car will break down. You'll say, Pastor Allen, I just need a few more months to work extra to get this car paid off. And then when you get everything set, everything's perfect, you'll say, okay, Pastor Allen, I'm ready. I'll be back next week. And then your wife's going to tell you she's pregnant. And then you'll say, praise God, I'm pregnant. I'm going to work extra to make sure that we have the baby paid for, the birth paid for. And then you'll come back and then you'll need a bigger apartment. Then you'll find out you need to get a bigger car. And then you'll have another baby. And then you'll need a bigger apartment and then an extra car. And then you're going to have all the diapers and bikes and, and school and, and all the things that come with children that doesn't stop. And every year they cost you money. And what will happen is you'll keep saying, I'm going to do it when I get everything set and everything perfect. And then one day you'll wake up and you'll be a little, quite a bit older with gray hair. And you'll say, you know, when I was young, I knew I had a calling and I was pursuing God. But something happened and, and now I'm old and, and I didn't grow in that area. Because you let life take over your, your time. You let life lead you. You let your own desires lead you and guide you. And yes, you want to serve God, but you, serving God isn't always convenient. 
And when He tells you and speaks to you, that's why we want you to hear God's voice and know God's voice personally. Because when God speaks to you and says, Now, I want you to step out now, that's the moment you have to step out. You can't analyze too much and say, Well, when I retire, I'm only, I'm only six years away from retirement. If I just wait six more years and everything will be perfect, I'll get my retirement check and, and I'll be totally free and have the funds. You know, I can't tell you when I was, especially when I was young and believing God for every single penny, how many men and women came to me and said, you know, why don't you sell this thing or become a salesman or, or here's a multi-level thing where you can get all the people who listen to you to sign up and, and you can make money and you won't have to ask for offerings. And, and they're really pushing that and that idea that you can do both. You can make your own life and serve God at the same time to make it easier. Nothing bothered me more when I was young. When I listened to the preachers and they talk about how God provided for them. It was so encouraging to hear how God provided for certain people because that gave me hope that God might provide for me one day as I followed him. And when I say provide, I mean full-time, like where my job was ministry. And that's not for everyone. That's you know. So don't feel bad if God has you in a job right now because that's obeying God as much as leaving your job. A lot of Christians need to hear that, that keeping your job can be obeying God as much as leaving your job. That's important for you to understand. Is about obeying God. But nothing would bother me more when someone would give God all the glory for providing for them by faith and only to find out that they had an inheritance from someone and were wealthy on the side or or had a business on the side. And even though they gave God glory for it, the way they presented it was that they were living totally by faith. And you can't have faith without God's obedience. That's presumption. If you're trying to step out on your own, even if you give God the glory, it's presumption unless God's spoken to you. And that's what we, that's the humility we're talking about. Living in humility that your life, wherever it is right now, you're in the perfect will of God right now. And then moving forward, you want to hear God and let Him lead your steps wherever it is. Maybe you're in a place where you're questioning, am I in God's will right now? Is this God's will? Maybe I missed it. Maybe I made a mistake. Okay, stop that. Stop saying that because even if you made a mistake, you're moving forward with God. So you don't want to use your use the same wisdom that got you into the mistake to try to get you out of the mistake because then you just make another mistake trying to get out of the mistake you made. The way you do is right now, this moment, you go to God and you say, right now, my life is in your hands. Let's do that. Father, right now, this moment, my life, my finances, my health, my future, my calling, my steps are in your hands. My life is yours. Wherever you want me to go, wherever you want me to stay, I humble myself now and I yield my life to you. In Jesus' name, And if you want me to change, Father, I'll change. If you want me to change my circumstances, change my jobs, change my life in a different direction, I yield it to you because my life is yours, no longer mine. In Jesus' name, amen. So now that you prayed that, I want you to have confidence that you're in God's will right now. Then moving forward, if you hear God speak to you and say, I want you to change this, I want you to move here, I want you to do this, then you're still in God's will. He's leading you from today going forward. 
So don't look back and say, I wonder if I made a mistake. Sometimes when we're following God and things don't, circumstances don't turn out perfect, we start to question, well, maybe I missed it then, or maybe I missed the time before, and then out of fear of missing, you go try to fix it, <laughs> and then you're fixing all kinds of things, and the point isn't about going backwards and fixing it. The point is from this point on, unless you know you disobey God, that's different. You know, I disobey God, and I, but still, moving forward, let God walk you forward, even out of your mistakes and out of your struggles, because He will. He's always in your future. He's always believing in you, and He'll get you there if you obey Him and stay with Him. This step-by-step obedience and the humility to live in is so important to walking with God. Let's go to the Old Testament first. Start over in the Old Testament. And we'll read out of Deuteronomy. And we're going to read about Israel. Chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. And here is the story of Israel following God. And then God went to take him into the promised land. The problem with the promised land wasn't that it was full of milk and honey and giant grapes. The concern with the promised land was it was also full of giants and enemies. And Israel, the children of Israel, had to trust God through war to win and conquer the land. And they didn't want that. They wanted it handed to them. Boy, if I could preach about the modern church. The modern church is not built for warfare. They're not built to follow God into fights. They're more built into, someone said, the church today is either a battleship or a cruise ship. One of the two. You're either in a battleship preparing for war to conquer the land, or you're in a cruise ship trying to cruise your way up to heaven. I thought that's a great a great example. And I want to be in the battleship. I want to be where God works through me to, to see revival come through the land. And I know you do too, because you're here with me. And so Israel rejected God, refused God, rebelled against God, and refused to go into the land. They refused. They just stopped. Said, I'm not going. I'm not we're not gonna go. No, nope, we're not going. And they refused against God. So afterwards is what I want to talk about. After they refused, there was consequences. There's always consequences with disobedience. It's not punishment, it's consequences. Let's start over in chapter 1, uh, verse 34, and we'll read from there. And the Lord heard the sound of your words and was angry and took an oath, saying, Surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land of which I swore to give to the, your fathers. Except Caleb, the son of uh, Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him and his children I am given the land on which he walked, because he wholly followed the Lord. The Lord was also angry with me for your sake, saying, Even you shall not go in there. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit So Joshua and Caleb had to wait 40 years, but they got to go into the promised land because they were not afraid of warfare. They did not try to change God's plan or reject God's plan because it wasn't easy. It didn't make sense. It wasn't just handed over to them. And they had faith in God said those two, but Moses and the rest of the children of Israel, they cannot. Moreover, your little ones and your children who say will be victims 
who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. To them I'll give it, and they shall possess it. So all of the older generation, I think someone said it was only going to, supposed to take 40 days to go to the promised land, not 40 years. The 40 years was because all of them had to die off because they didn't have the faith. If you don't have the faith now, God's point is if you don't have the faith now to walk it out, why would I trust you later to do it? But as for you, turn and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Then you answered and said to me, We have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight just as the Lord God commanded us. And when every one of you had girded on his weapons of war, you are ready to go up into the mountain. So now Israel is saying, Okay, okay, we missed it, but we're ready now. And the Lord said to me, Tell them, Do not go up nor fight. For I am not among you, lest you be defeated before your enemies. So the children of Israel kind of repented because they realized they had missed the open door that God had said. God said, go now into the promised land and take it. It's yours. But they refused to go into the promised land. And then God was angry and said, okay, if you're not going to go now, I'm not going to trust you later. You're going to die in the wilderness. And then they repented and said, no, 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 we're going to go. We'll go right now. Give me, give me my armor. Honey, let's go. Load me up. We're going to go to war right now. Everyone get ready. And the Lord said, no, do not go and fight because I'm not going in with you. And see, the way we fight the devil, the way we fight the enemy and fight for revival is that we are to be wearing God's armor. We're to be going with God. It's by his authority that we win, never our own authority, our own power. Too many Christians are trying to fight a, a spiritual enemy with natural means. And if God's not going, you don't want to go without him. So the Lord said, don't go up and fight. So I spoke to you, yet you would not listen. You rebelled against the command of the Lord and presumptuously went up into the mountain. So first they refused to go to the mountain and they refuse to listen to God. And then when God tells them, no, don't go to the mountain, they refuse to not go to the mountain, and they still don't listen to God. They rebelled against God both ways. What a crew. And the Amorites who dwelt in the, in the mountain came out against you and chased you back as bees do and drove you from Seir to Hamar. There you returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord would not listen to your voice nor give ear to you. And so this is the point of presumption, that we try to do our own thing when we're ready, even if it's what God spoke to us in the past and we resisted. Unless God is speaking to you now, you don't want to do it. That's pride. That's presumptuous. That causes you to step out without the authority of God. I'll give you another example of a positive move in how God works. Over in 1 Kings 19, one of my favorite verses here, we hear about Elisha and Elijah. And Elisha was the guy who was going to replace the senior prophet Elijah. And God has spoken to Elijah that, go find Elisha. And, and we'll start in verse 19, 1 Kings 19, 19. You should have this underlined. This is a great teaching a great example in many different ways. 
So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the twelfth. So I want you to see here that Elisha was working. He was overseeing twelve yoke of oxen. You know, that's 24, 24 oxen, and they were plowing, working the field. And he's out there working away, plowing. He was on the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him. Now read this, verse 19. Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. So Elijah walked past him and threw the mantle. The mantle represented the call of God. And Elijah threw the mantle, like you might say a cloak, and threw it at him. And the only one who got to wear that cloak was the senior prophet. So Elijah walked past Elisha while he was working, while he was plowing, and threw the mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. So it tells us that Elisha had to leave the oxen and run after Elijah. There's a lot in that. Why did he have to run after Elijah? Did Elijah just not come up to him and say, Hey, i got to talk to you. I have an opportunity, a tremendous opportunity to put at your feet for you to pray about, (laughs) for you to take before the Lord. No, Elijah walked past him through the mantle and kept walking. So Elisha had to stop and run after him because Elijah wasn't waiting for him. It's very important you understand this, that Elijah was not waiting for Elisha. Too many Christians have been taught from the world how to make decisions. Too many Christians have used their own natural wisdom on how to make decisions moving forward. They want to take a piece of paper and write down positive and negative. So what's the opportunity? Okay, so the positive side is this, 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 this. The negative is this, this, and this. So if there's more positive than negative, that must be God. But if there's more negative than positive, it doesn't work. And I don't see it working. See, too many Christians are living by the world's way of making decisions. God's way of making decisions is if he tells you to do it, drop everything and do it, no matter what. Don't try to figure out the positive and negatives. Don't try to analyze it. Do it. And that's what happened to Elijah and Elisha. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please, let me kiss my father and mother, and then I'll follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? This, I believe, is Elijah saying, I've just called you into a life of laying down your life. You know, what have I done to you? Too many Christians think that the full-time ministry is a glamorous path, when really it's a path of laying down your life day after day. It should be. And Elijah said to Elisha, Go on, go back again, for what have I done to you? Now look what Elisha did. He turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then they rose and followed Elijah and he became his servant. So you can see here that Elisha wasn't called to be the senior prophet immediately. Elijah wasn't saying, okay, give up your job, uh, leave your family, Follow me, and I'll put you uh, on TV. I'll put you in the pulpit. No, he became his servant. 
Elijah became Elisha became the servant of Elijah for 20 years. He spent 20 years serving Elisha before he ever got to see that mantle again. 20 years of service. In fact, he was known not as the junior prophet. He wasn't known by reputation as being the up-and-coming prophet, uh, the hand-picked prophet. He was known as the, the one who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Elisha, in those 20 years, did not build his reputation to be a great minister. He built his heart to be a servant, and he trusted God to give it to him. In one moment, when Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind, in one moment, Elisha went from being a servant, a water boy, he went into becoming a senior prophet. In one moment, they had prophet schools and everything, but it was this servant who ended up being the prophet. You can trace it all the way back to 20 years later to where at this moment, when Elijah called him and walked away from him, that Elisha left all and followed him. Can you imagine burn, talking about burning your bridges, taking the oxen and the equipment, burning it and making a barbecue and feeding the people a celebration, feeding the people, saying, I'm leaving this place, I ain't never coming back. And that's burning your bridges. So many Christians I know, they live a life, they're good people. And I don't blame them, I blame more of the culture, the modern culture of Christianity. They've learned how to take care of themselves first, and then give God the extra. And they're good people, they're going to heaven, God loves them and bless them and appreciates them. And, but there's a pathway for all of us to where He is everything. We follow Him. We hear His voice. We learn to hear His voice. And we learn to follow that voice at all costs. The moment He speaks. Not when it's convenient. I think of the man who was a great children pastor. I mean, he was so wonderful. He still is a wonderful man. But he missed his chance because when God told him, he considered an easier path, a more smarter path, that I'll first finish my job the next six years and finish my retirement, you know, and, and possibly make his wife happy and his family happy or his own self happy. Then I'll have the security. And see, our security should always be in God, even if we're working or not. Our job is not our provider. Your job is not your provider. God is your provider. Your job is just a vessel that he's chosen at this time to be your provider. Let's go over to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1. We want to find our authority in hearing God and obeying God, not in our own ability, not in our own presumption. Man, we had one guy come in and, and one preacher talk to us about prosperity. And he had convinced us that if we were to commit a $1,000 to him, that God would bless us in our future abundantly. And I was suckered into that. I pledged a $1,000. And boy, when I realized I had made a mistake, I, I hated fulfilling that pledge. I hated it. My hunger, my zeal, my desire to be someone useful for God put me into presumption. Trying to presume a path make a path that God didn't speak to me about. If you're going to stay humble, it's very important that you learn how to hear God's voice, that you make that effort to not make decisions out of zeal, out of ambition. I always tell people we don't just make decisions out of opportunity or out of frustration. I'm just so tired of this place, I'm leaving. 
No, we wait until we hear God's voice, and then we step forward in his will. Mark chapter 1. We'll start in verse 16. And as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. Then immediately, if you underline, you can underline the word immediately. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Boy, if something needs to preach today, that's it. They immediately left their nets and followed him. These are fishermen, and they left their boats, they left their fish, they left their nets, they left everything immediately, that's right now, to follow him. Because they have been preparing. They have been hungering for God and preparing for this moment. That tells me two things. Number one, they were prepared. They were ready to take that step. But also how amazing Jesus must have been when he said, Follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. I believe that he, from the shore, he shouted that to them. And then he walked off the same way Elijah walked past Elisha. Follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. And then he walked off. And immediately they left everything and followed Jesus. This is the source of authority I'm talking about today. Hearing God's voice and obeying it, no matter how uncomfortable it is or how much logic it doesn't seem is there, we must be able to hear God's voice and trust Him above all things. They immediately, verse 18, left their nets and followed Him. When He got a little further from there, He saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called to them. And they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. So immediately they left everything. They left their nets. Immediately, James and John left their family. I know how upset my mom has been for 30 years. Because I left my country, I left my family, and moved to Tennessee from from Alberta, Canada, on hearing God's voice to go and, and move there. I didn't have a job, didn't have any money, didn't even have a car. But I felt I heard God's voice and I was willing to step out. And I stepped away and I told my mom I'd probably only be gone for one year. And 30 years later, I still, <laughs> I'm still living away from my mom and my dad. And mom, poor mom has had to put up with me following God, had to give me over to God and love me as a son from afar because I've been obeying God. And I believe my mom's going to get lots of rewards in heaven and my dad for allowing me to follow God and encourage me to their own hurt to follow God. Some families aren't like that. Some families will demand that you're there living next door at every birthday party, at every celebration, at every holiday, because your life belongs to the family. Your life doesn't belong to your family. Your life belongs to God when you're born again. And if it's convenient enough that you're living there, you should be involved. But there are times when God speaks to you, you have to obey Him and not obey your mama. This is when you're older, of course. That's not for... 18-year-old and unders don't need to hear what I just said. 
it's when you're your own person and paying your own bills and you hear God's voice, you follow God's voice. Be courageous, be brave, and follow God. And here we see that James and John left their father behind to go and follow Jesus. They left him with the servant and said, we got to go, Dad. we got to go follow Jesus. Thank God for families that encourage that, encourage that type of independence for their children to hear God. I'm so appreciate my family for, especially my youth and my zeal, trying my best to follow God. Because I wasn't raised in church, but I found church, and I found God in church, and I found my place in God. And if anyone should not be in ministry or not be called, it would be me. God's the one who chose me to do what I've done. So we live our life and serve our life to obey the Lord. Over in Mark chapter 2, verse 13, we'll read one more story. Mark 2, verse 13. Then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. And he passed by and saw Levi, the son, or Matthew, Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. So now Matthew is working a job being a tax collector in the office. Jesus walked by him and said, Follow me. And immediately he got up, left his job, and followed him. There's a point here, there's examples here of obeying God. Obeying God doesn't mean you wait and you just wait until God makes you do something. Obeying God means that you prepare, you pray, you listen, you grow, you mature, you build your faith. Always preparing for what God told you. There's things that God has spoken to me about my calling, about my future. And it wasn't to tell me, this is it, this is going to happen. It was to tell me, if you prepare, this is what I'm going to do with you. And so it wasn't for me to go make it happen. I've had visions and and times with God where he spoke to me about certain nations and doing certain things. That wasn't to give me instruction to go make it happen. That would be presumption. That was to tell me, we are going to do great things and amazing things together, son. But you have to prepare you have to grow up, mature, learn to listen, learn to be holy, learn these things, walk in certain things, grow up. And when you are ready, I will come and say, let's go. And when I say let's go, you better be ready to go. And we don't live in presumption where just because God gave us a word or a dream that we go ahead and make it happen. Because then you'll be like the children of Israel trying to go ahead on your own to fight an enemy that only God can defeat for you. But when God speaks to you, you have everything you need that moment. That moment is when you want to be prepared to step out and say, I've been waiting for this moment. Praise God. Let's go. That is the preparation. That's where you find the authority to follow God into incredible things. We want to be obedient and hear God's voice and let him lead us. Not walking in presumption, always walking in obedience. In that obedience, in that immediate obedience, is where we'll always find the authority we need to have that victory. Let's keep praying, keep seeking, keep preparing, because you're not doing this just for fun. We're not spending the hours praying and worshiping and in the Word just to do it. It's because we're preparing ourselves for the moment. 
where God will come up to us and say, all right, Alan, now, let's go. And then I know that with his authority, I can overcome everything that every problem, every circumstance, every need that I face will be answered through him because he's the one who told me to go. I didn't go on my own. God bless you and let's be obedient. Thank you for spending time with me. I'll see you soon.